About three weeks or so into the shelter-in-place restrictions that we had, our president came and he was hoping that churches would be able to come back together again on the joyous holiday, the Christian holiday of Easter. That was seven weeks ago. It didn't happen the way that many had envisioned. In fact, we haven't met together as a congregation since March 15th. Can you imagine that? We haven't met together like we are doing today. And even though we're not in the sanctuary, what a joyous occasion it is for us to come together. And maybe we didn't come together on Easter the way that many had hoped. In celebration of our Lord's resurrection, coming back together and singing his praises and declaring them together. But we are uniting together on another joyous festival day. In fact, it's a high festival of the church, one that perhaps is sometimes forgotten. Yes, a lot of attention is placed on Christmas and Easter, but where would we be as Christians without this holiday of Pentecost? What if God had sent his son Jesus Christ as he did at Christmas, and Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died on the cross and rose again from the dead on Easter? What meaning would that have for us without this day, the day of Pentecost, in which we celebrate the work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who has brought the knowledge of the truth, the salvation and forgiveness of sins that Christ bring, he has brought that into our hearts. So today on this wonderful, joyous occasion, let us sing together now our exordium hymn, O Holy Spirit, enter in. Grace you in peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text for our meditation this morning is the gospel reading for this Pentecost Sunday recorded for us in the Gospel of St. John, the 16th chapter beginning at the 5th verse. But now I am going away to him who sent me. And not one of you asked me, where are you going? Yet because I have told you these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is good for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, about righteousness and about judgment, about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me, about judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. Lord, these are your words and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, 
How would you respond if a close friend or family member of yours told you that they had just got a promotion and that they were moving in a month to California? I wonder if you were really close to that person, that you'd see them almost every single day, if your response might be this, you're leaving me? That might be the first thing out of your mouth as you think about the effect that this will have on your own life. Maybe rather than asking them right away, what's this promotion about? Where are you going to live? What sort of new adventures are you going to have in that wonderful place? We see in God's word today, we see that Jesus informs the disciple of something pretty incredible, that he's going to the Father. It's a pretty big statement that he's going to go to heaven. It seems that they should have all these questions for him. Well, what's it going to be like? What are you going to do there? But instead, we hear that they're just filled with great sorrow that Jesus is going to be gone. Rather than chastising them for their selfishness or self-absorption, that they're only thinking about themselves and not about him, he understands their sorrow, and he wants to comfort them. He wants to comfort them that unless he goes to the Father, he will not send the Holy Spirit. And he wants to comfort them on how vital a gift the Holy Spirit is for them. Some of you might have noticed our theme for the day on the front cover of the bulletin. And if you did, you probably scratched your head and you wondered, what in the world is Pastor Molte going to talk about today? The alien work of the Holy Spirit? I know we just had a few astronauts go up in a, a spaceship, go up into space. Is he going to talk about doing evangelism on Mars? What's going on? Now what we're focusing on today is this strange, foreign, or alien work, as it's often called, of the Holy Spirit, in which the Holy Spirit not only brings faith into people's hearts, we think about that as a positive work, right? Or the Holy Spirit helping people in their lives of sanctification to do good works and thanksgiving to God, but to think about also the strange or foreign or alien work of the Holy Spirit mentioned in our text today, that the Holy Spirit is the one who comes to convict the world of sin, to convict the world of righteousness, to convict the world of judgment. And so today we focus on that alien work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus really lays out in our text for today what that work will be. As he says these words, When the Spirit comes, he will convict the world about sin, about righteousness and about judgment, about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father, and you will no longer see me about judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. First thing that he mentions is that the Holy Spirit is going to convict the world of sin. We usually don't think about that as a positive thing, do we? If someone makes someone else feel bad for the things that they have done. Maybe think about the little example of a young child who picks a couple tulips in the front of his parents' house and he brings them to his mother Mommy, here's some flowers for you. She scolds him. Don't pick those. They're not meant to be picked. We might say, come on. Should you really make a little child feel bad? After all, he had the best of intentions. How it, good it would be for a parent to do that for a child, to maybe keep that child from going to the neighbor's house and doing the same thing and maybe getting into a lot more trouble there. So too, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin for a good purpose, and not just to keep us from continuing to sin or try to prevent us from doing that, but especially so that we see our need. 
is what need would we have for Jesus for the forgiveness of sins if we're not aware that we have any sins at all? What need would we have for such a Savior? We wouldn't realize there's any need for Jesus. What's the point, we'd say to ourselves? But the Holy Spirit says, tells us in God's Word today convicts us of our sin. He does that work that we maybe think of as kind of a negative work of making us feel bad and guilty for the things that we have done wrong. And he does this through our consciences and also through the law of God. He works upon us to really prepare our hearts for the message of the gospel in Christ Jesus. This is a vital work, especially as mission work is done, as the disciples are going to be sent out to tell all nations of Christ how important it is that this work of preparation be there, that people see their sin, that they might also believe through the Holy Spirit. The second thing that Jesus mentions is that the Holy Spirit is also going to convict the world of righteousness. You know, if you were to ask around people that you know, people in our community, people in our state, country, if they believe that there is life after death, some sort of afterlife, I'm guessing that a majority of people would tell you yes. Probably many of them would even call that place heaven. But if you were to pry a little bit further and ask them, well, how does one get to heaven or how do you know that you go to heaven? They probably eventually, majority of people might give you some sort of response that says, well, as long as you're a good person, as long as you try to do what is right, well, you'll get to go to heaven. Perhaps you could pry a little bit further and ask the question, though, well, but how good is good enough to get to heaven? And I'm sure that person would probably give you an explanation that would, of course, give enough leeway to include themselves in that number, that they at least are good enough to get to heaven. But should we really be asking the man on the street, how good is good enough to get into heaven? Isn't that a question for the one who dwells in heaven, who is the ruler of heaven and earth himself? And God responds as he tells us in his word, as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. As the writer of the Hebrews tells us in chapter 12, without holiness no one will see the Lord. We see really the requirements of God through his word of getting into heaven, perfection, holiness, which is righteousness, isn't it? This too, the Holy Spirit convicts us of, is of our lack of righteousness. That we aren't as holy and as good and as perfect as God requires for us to get into heaven. What an opportunity, though, the Holy Spirit, as he does that, presents for us to think about the one who is righteous and holy. The one who dared his enemies. Who of you can convict me of sin, as he said in John chapter 8? The same one spoken in, of in Hebrews chapter 4, who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. It's the one that proved that he was perfect, holy, righteous, acceptable before the Father, not only by his resurrection from the dead, but also his ascension into heaven, as God took him to be with him in that perfect and holy place of heaven. As the Holy Spirit also continues his work, not only of convicting us of sin, but convicting us of righteousness and our lack of righteousness, that we might see Christ's righteousness for us. The third thing that Jesus explains that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of is he convicts the world of judgment. If you'd ask those same people who maybe told you they believe that there's life after death, 
if they believe there is judgment or if they believe there is a place called hell, I'm guessing that many of those people would probably tell you no. They'll probably tell you, well, I believe that God is a loving God and I don't think that God would send anybody to a terrible place such as hell, a place of eternal punishment. If those people, if it came down to it, when confronted with a mass murderer or a serial rapist or a, a worldwide terrorist, might wish for such a place as hell. They might feel, what justice is there in simply giving somebody the death penalty? Think of all the pain and suffering that they've caused to all of their victims. I certainly hope that they're getting theirs in the afterlife. The Holy Spirit reveals the fact that there is a judgment to every one of us. As it has been written on our consciences by God, as the Holy Spirit brings about that, that knowledge and understanding of that in our hearts, through our consciences, but also through his word. And also, as Jesus points out in our lesson for today, that because the ruler of this world has been judged, it also testifies to the fact of the judgment. We know this is true because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Yes, he did die on the cross, and it seemed like the ruler of this world, the devil, had won. But his resurrection from the dead proved that he had triumphed over the devil, over sin, and over death. As it says in God's word, as Paul says in Acts chapter 17, God has set a day on which he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he appointed. He provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Again, the Holy Spirit does all of these things, convict the world of sin, righteousness, judgment for this purpose of preparing men's hearts for the good news of salvation in Christ Jesus, our Lord. How important and vital that work was for those first Christians, especially as they would begin carrying out that work of making disciples of all nations. But there's even more comfort in our lesson for today. Comfort for us, not just concerning mission work, but comfort for us in our own lives as we considered that alien work of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard a preacher on television or maybe online or elsewhere say something like this? Well, Jesus has paid for the sins of the whole world on the cross. He suffered and died for your sins. Now, all you have to do is make a decision for Christ. If you make a decision for Christ, then he will make you his own dear child and bring you into his family. Or perhaps it's been phrased this way. If you pray the sinner's prayer, then God will come into your heart and live and forgive all your sins. Or maybe put this way. If you bring about enough sorrow in your own heart over your sins, if you show God that you are repentant for all you have done, then God will come and bring faith into your heart. All such statements, such if statements, really insert a huge level of doubt into the Christian faith. Yes, if we say that God did 99.9% .9 of the work of salvation, but now leaves 0.1% up to us to make a right decision for him or to pray the right prayer that he come into our hearts or even to bring about that work of repentance in our own hearts and minds, there will always be doubt that we have not done it right or we have not done it enough. Especially at times when we are crushed with the guilt and weight of our sin, as we say, how could I possibly have fallen into the sin? What Christian would have done what I have done? 
maybe I'm not a Christian. Maybe I, I thought that I did the right thing, that I made my decision, that I said the right prayer, that, that I showed enough sorrow for my sin. But maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't do my part enough. But what comfort God brings in his word for us today as we consider the alien work of the Holy Spirit. That it's not that God did 99.9% .9 of the work and left 0.1% for you to do. To even feel that incredible sorrow and guilt that you have to bring about that work of repentance in your own heart and life. But God even provided the gift of the Holy Spirit to do that work in you. The reason that any of us repent of our sins is because of God the Holy Spirit. He not only has given us the work of faith, he has caused us to feel bad and guilty for those sins. As God has done everything necessary to convert us and to bring us to him, to give us new life in Christ. That's an awesome treasure. As we consider God's 100% work for us, not just in Jesus, but also in the working of the Holy Spirit and bringing us to faith in Christ. So today, there is much reason for rejoicing, even as we consider Jesus who has ascended into heaven. It's like the disciples, we too at times can be filled with such sorrow. Let us know the comfort of the Holy Spirit that God has given, not only to prepare hearts for the work of missions, to make disciples of all nations, but also that the Holy Spirit is the one who has brought faith into our hearts and lives even has done that alien work of convicting us of sin. As Luther reminds us, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or come to him, but the Holy Ghost has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the one true faith. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and never shall be forevermore. Amen.